0: hello everyone and welcome to my podcast now we are going to start with our next chapter which is chapter 9 the midnight duel of harry potter and the philosopher's stone book 1 of harry potter harry had never believed he would meet a boy he hated more than dudley but that was before he met raco malfoy still first year gryffindors only had potions with the slytherins so they didn't have to put up with malfoy much or at least They didn't until they spotted a a notice pinned up in the Gryffindor common room, which made them all groan. Flying lessons would be starting on Thursday, and Gryffindor and Slytherin would be learning together. Typical, said Harry darkly. Just what I always wanted, to make a fool of myself on a broomstick in front of Malfoy. He had been looking forward to learning to fly more than anyone else. You don't know you'll make a fool of yourself, said Harry, said Ron reasonably. Anyway, I know Malfoy's always going on about how good he is at Quidditch, but I bet that old talk Malfoy certainly did talk about flying a lot. He complained loudly about the first years never getting in the house Quidditch teams and told long, boastful stories which always seemed to end with him narrowly escaping muggles and helicopters. He wasn't the only one, though the way Seamus Finnegan told it, he'd spent most of his childhood zooming around the countryside on his broomstick. Even Ron would tell anyone who'd listen about the time he'd almost hit a hang glider. On Charlie's old room, everyone from wizarding families talked about Quidditch constantly. Ron had already had a big argument with Dean Thomas, who stared their dormitory about football. Ron couldn't see what was exciting about a game with only one ball where no one was allowed to fly. Harry had caught Ron prodding Dean's poster of West Ham football team trying to make the players move. Neville had never been on a broomstick in his life cause his grandmother had never let him near one. Privately, Harry felt she'd had good reason cause Neville managed to have an extraordinary number of accidents even with both feet on the ground. Hermione Granger was almost as nervous about flying as Neville was. This was something you couldn't learn by heart out of a book, not that she hadn't cried at breakfast on Thursday. She bored them old stupid little flying tips she'd got out of a library book, quiddied through the ages, never was hanging on to her every word desperate for anything that might help him hang on to his broomstick later but everybody else was very pleased when hermione's lecture was interrupted by the arrival of the post harry hadn't had a single letter since hagrid's note something that malfoy had been quick to notice of course malfoy's eagle Owl was always bringing him packages of sweets from home, which he opened gloatingly at the Slytherin table. A barn owl brought Neville a small package from his grandmother. He opened it excitedly and showed them a glass bowl the size of a large marble, which seemed to be full of white smoke. It's a remembrall. He explained. Ram knows I forgot things. This tells you if there's something you've forgotten to do. Look, you hold it tight like this and if it turns red, oh, his face. Well, because the Remembrall had suddenly glown scarlet. You've forgotten something. Neville was trying to remember what he'd forgotten when Draco Malfoy, who was passing the Gryffindor table, snatched the Remembrall out of his hand. Harry and Ron jumped to their feet. They were half hoping for a reason to fight Malfoy, but Professor McGonagall, who could spot trouble quicker than any teacher in the school, was there in a flash. What's going on? "'Malfoy's got my remembrall, Professor.' Scolding Malfoy, quickly dropped the remembrall back on the table. "'Just looking,' he said, "'and he sloped away the crab and Goyle behind him. "'At three-dirty,' 30. The afternoon, Harry, Ron and the other Gryffindors hurried down the front steps into the ground for their first flying lesson. It was a clear breezy day and the grass rippled under their feet as they marched down the sloping lawns towards the smooth lawn on the opposite side of the grounds to the forbidden forest whose trees were swaying darkly in the distance. The Slytherins were already there, and so were twenty broomsticks lying in neat lines on the ground. Harry had heard Fred and George Weasley complain about the school brooms, saying that some of them started to vibrate if you flew too high, or always flew slightly to the left. Their teacher, Madame Hooch, arrived. She had short, gray hair and yellow eyes, like a hawk. Well. What are you all waiting for? She barked. Everyone, stand by a broomstick. Come on, hurry up. Harry glanced down at his broom. It was old and some of the twigs stuck out at odd angles. Stick out your right hand over your broom, called Madame Hoot in front and say up. Up, everyone shouted. Harry's broom jumped in his hand at once, but it was one of the few that did. Hermione's Grangers had simply rolled over on the ground, and Neville's hadn't moved at all. Perhaps brooms like horses could tell when you were afraid, thought Harry. There was a choir in Neville's voice that said only too clearly that he wanted to keep his feet on the ground. Madame Hooch then showed them how to mount their brooms without sliding of the end and walked up and down the rows, correcting their grips. Harry and Ron were delighted when she told Malfoy he'd been doing it wrong for years. Now, when I bow my whistle, you kick off from the ground hard, Madam Hooch, said Madam Hooch. (laughs) Keep your brooms steady, rise a few feet, and then come straight back down by leaning forward slightly. On my whistle, three, two, but Neville, nervous and jumpy and frightened of being left on the ground, pushed off hard before the whistle had touched Madam Hood's lips. Come on, boy, come back, she shouted, but Neville was rising straight. Up like a cork, shout out of a bottle, twelve feet, twenty feet. Harry saw his scared, white face look down at the ground, falling away. Saw him gasp, slip sideways off the broom, and wham! A thud and a nasty crack. And Neville lay face down on the grass in a heap. His broomstick was still rising higher and higher, and started to drift lazily towards the forbidden forest and out of sight. Madame Hughes was bending over Neville, his fa- her face as white as his. Broken wrist, Harry heard her mutter, Come on, boy, it's all right. Up you get. She turned to the rest of the class. None of you is to move while I take this boy to the hospital wing. You leave those rooms where they are. You'll be out of Hogwarts before you can say, Quit it. Come on, dear. Neville, his face tears creaked clutching his wrist hold off with madame pooch who had her arm around his him no sooner were they out of the air short than malfoy burst into laughter did you see his face the great lamp the other siblings joined in shut up malfoy stop poverty puddle oh sticking up for long bottom, said posse Pansy, Pansy Parkinson, a hard-faced Slytherin girl. Never thought you like fat little babies, poverty. Look, said Malfoy, rushing forward and snatching something out of the grass. It's stupid thing Longbottom's grand sent him. The remembrall glittered in the sun as he held it up. Give that here, Malfoy, said Harry quietly. Everyone stopped talking to watch. Malfoy smiled nastily. I think I'll leave it somewhere for Longbottom to collect. How about up a tree? Give it here, Harry yelled. But Malfoy had leapt on to his broomstick and taken off. He hadn't been lying. He could have a fa- fly well hovering level with the topmost branches of an oak tree, he called. Come on and get it, Potter. Harry grabbed his broom. No, shouted Hermione Granger. Madam, who's told us not to move? You'll get all of us into trouble. Harry ignored her. Blood was pounding in his ears. He mounted to the broom and kicked hard against the ground and up, up, he soared. Air rushed through his hair and his robes whipped out behind him and in a rush of fierce joy he realized he'd found something he'd could do without being taught this was easy this was wonderful he pulled this broomstick up a little to take it even higher and heard screams and gasps of girls back on the ground and admiring whoop from ron he turned to his broomstick sharply to face Malfoy in mid-air. Malfoy looked stunned give it here harry called or i'll knock you off that broom Oh, yeah, said Malfoy, trying to stare, but looking worried. Harry knew somehow what to do. He leant forward and grasped the broom tightly in both hands, and it shot forwards. Malfoy, a javelin, Malfoy only just got out of way in time. Harry made a sharp about turn and heard, held the broom steady. A few people blew, were clapping. No crab and goil up here to save your neck, Malfoy Harry called. The same thought seemed to have struck Malfoy. Catch it if you can, then he shouted, and he threw the glass ball high into the air and streaked back towards the ground. Harry saw as though in slow motion the ball rise up in the air and then start to fall. He leant forward and pointed his broom, handle down. Next second, he was gathering speed in a steep dive, racing the ball. Wind whistled in his ears, mingled with the screams of people. Watching, he stretched out his hand, a foot from the ground. He caught it just in time to pull his... Broom straight and he toppled gently onto a grass with a remembrance crushed safely in his fist. Harry Potter! His heart sang faster than he'd just died. Professor McGonagall was tr- running towards them. He got to his feet, trembling. Never in all my time at Hogwarts. Professor McGonagall was almost speechless with shock and her glasses flashed furiously. How dare you! Might have broken your neck! It wasn't my fault. His fault, Professor. Be quiet, Miss Potter. But Malfoy, that's enough, Mr. Weasley. Potter, follow me now. Harry caught sight of Malfoy, Craven Goyle's triumphant faces as he left, walking numbly in Professor McGonagall's wake as she strode, strode towards the castle. He was going to be expelled. He just knew it. He wanted to say something to defend himself, but there seemed to be something wrong with his voice. Professor McGonagall was sweeping along without even looking at him. He had to jog to keep up. Now he'd done it. He hadn't even lasted two weeks. He'd be packing his bags in ten minutes. What would the Dursleys say when he'd turn up on the doorstep? Up the front steps up the marble staircase, inside, a still Professor McGonagall didn't say a word to him. She wrenched open doors and marched along corridors with Harry trotting miserably behind her. Maybe she was uh, taking him to Dumbledore, he thought of Hagrid expelled but allowed to say. And as gamekeeper, perhaps he could be Hagrid's assistant, his stomach twisted as he imagined it, watching Ron and others becoming wizards while he stumped around the grounds carrying Harry Hagrid's bag. Professor McGonagall stopped outside a classroom. She opened the door and poked her head inside. Excuse me, Professor Fletchwick, could I borrow wood for a moment? Wood, thought Harry, bewildered, was wood a cane she was going to use on him? But would turned out to be a person, a burly fifth year boy who came out of Fulchwick's class looking confused. Follow me, you two, said Professor McGonagall, and they marched up on up the corridor, would looking curiously at Harry, and here Professor McGonagall pointed them into a classroom which was empty except for Peeves, who was busy writing rude words on the backboard. Out, Peeves, she barked. Peeves threw the chalk into the bin, which clanged loudly, and he swooped out, cursing. Professor McGonagall slammed the door behind him and turned to face the two boys. Potter, this is Oliver Wood. Wood, I found you a seeker. Wood's expression changed the puzzlement to delight. Are you serious, Professor? Absolutely, said Professor McGonagall crisply. The boys are natural. I've been been—I've never seen anything like it. Was that your first time on a broomstick, Potter? Harry nodded silently. He didn't have a clue what was going on, but he didn't seem to be ex- being expelled, and some of the feeling started coming back to his legs. He caught that thing in his hand. After a 50-foot dive, Professor McGonagall told Wood didn't even scratch himself. Charlie Weasley couldn't have done it, Wood was now looking as though all his dreams had come true at once. Ever since seen a game of Quidditch, Potter, he asked excitedly, would the g- captain of the g- Gryffindor team, Professor McGonagall, explained, He's just a build for a seeker, too, said Wood, now walking around Harry and staring at him. Light, speedy, we'll have to get him a decent room- broom. Professor, a Nimbus 2000, or a clean sweep 7, I'd say. I shall speak to Professor Dumbledore and see if we can't bend the first-year rule. Heaven knows we need a better team than last year. Flattened in the last match of by Slytherin, I couldn't look Severus Snape in the face of four weeks. Professor McGonagall peered sternly over her glasses at Harry. I want to hear your training hard, Potter, or I may change my mind about punishing you. Then she suddenly smiled. Your father would have been proud, she said. He was an excellent Quidditch player himself. You're joking. It was dinner time. Harry had just finished telling Ron what had happened when he'd left the whole grounds with Professor McGonagall. run had a piece of Seek and kidney pie halfway to his mouth but he'd forgotten all about it seeker he said but first years never you must be the youngest house player in about a century said harry shoveling pie into his mind he felt particularly hungry after the excitement of the afternoon Wood told me Ron was so amazed, so impressed, he just sat and gasped at Harry. I start training next week, said Harry, only don't tell anyone, Would wants to keep it a secret. Fred and George Weasley now came into the hall, spotted Harry and hurried over. Well done, said George in a low voice, "Who told us we're on the team two beaters, I tell you. We're going to win that Quidditch Cup for sure this year, said Fred. We haven't won since Charlie left, but this year team is going to be brilliant. You must be good, Harry. Wood was almost skipping when he he told us. Anyway, we've got to go. Lee Jordan reckons he found a new secret passageway out of the school. Bet it's that one behind the statue of Gregory, the smarmy... That we found in our first week see you Fred and George had hardly disappeared when someone for far less welcome turned up Malfoy flanked by Crabbe and Goyle having a last meal Potter when are you getting the crane back to the muggles you're a lot braver now you're back on the ground and you've got your little friends with you said Harry coolly there was of course nothing at all little about crab and goyle but as the uh, high table was full of teachers crab neither of them could do more than crack their knuckles and skull i take you on the time on my own said mafoy tonight if you want wizards duel bonds only no contact what's the matter never heard of wizards duel before i suppose Course he has said, Ron, wheeling round. I'm his second. Who's yours? Malfoy looked at Crab and Goyle, sizing them up. Crab, he said, midnight all night. All right, we'll meet you in the trophy room that always unlocked. When Malfoy had gone, Ron and Harry looked at each other. What is wizard's duel? said Harry. And what do you mean? You're my second Well a second's there to take over if you die, said Ron casually, getting started at least on his gold pie. Getting the look on Harry's face he added quickly but people only die in proper duels, you know the real with real results. The most you and Malfoy will be able to do is send sparks at each other neither of you knows enough magic to do any real damage i bet he expected you to refuse anyway and what if i wave my wand and nothing happens throw it away and punch him on the nose ron suggested excuse me they both looked up it was hermione granger can't a person eat in peace in this place said ron hermione ignored him and spoke to Harry. I couldn't help overhearing what you and Malfoy were saying, but you could, Ron muttered. And you must not go wandering around the school at night. Think of the points you lose Gryffindor if you're caught and you're born to be. It's literally very selfish of you. And it's really none of your business, said Harry. Goodbye, said Ron. All the same, it wasn't that what you'd call the prefect and perfect end to the day. Harry thought as he lay awake much later, listening to Dean and Seamus falling asleep, never wasn't back from the hospital wing. Ron had spent all evening giving an, advice such as if he tries to curse you, you'd better dodge it because I can't remember how to block, it, block them. There was a very good chance they were getting to get caught by filch or mrs norris and harry felt he was punishing pushing his luck breaking another school rule today on the other hand malfoy's sneering face kept looming up out of the darkness this was his big chance to beat malfoy face to face he couldn't miss it half past 11 ron muttered at last we'd better go they pulled on their dressing gowns, picked up their wands, and crept across the tower room, down the spiral staircase, and into the Gryffindor common room. A few mem- embers were still glowing in the fireplace, turning all the armchairs into hunched black shadows. They had almost reached the portrait hall when a voice spoke from the chair nearest them. I can't believe you're going to do this, Harry. A lamp flickered on. It's Hermione Granger wearing a pink dressing gown and a frown. You, said Ron furiously, go back to bed. I almost told your brother, Hermione, snapped. Percy, he's a prefect. He'd put a stop to this. Harry couldn't believe anyone could be so interfering. Come on, he said to Ron. He pushed open the portrait of the fat lady and climbed through the hole. Hermione wasn't going to give up that easily. She followed Ron through the portrait hole, hissing at them like an angry goose. Don't you care about Gryffindor? Do you only care about yourself? I don't want Slytherin to win the house cap and you lose all the points I got from Professor McCornigal from knowing about switching spells. Go away. All right, but I warned you. You must remember what I said when you're on the train home tomorrow. You are so, but what, what they didn't find out, Hermione had turned to the portrait of the fat lady to get back inside, the f- inside and found hims- herself facing an empty painting. Fat lady had gone on a night time visit and Hermione was locked out of the Gryffindor tower. Now, what am I going to do, she asked shrilly. That's your problem, said Ron. We've got to go. We're going to be late. They hadn't even reached the end of the corridor when Hermione caught up with them. I'm coming with you, she said. You're not. Do you think I'm going to stand out here and wait for Filch to catch me? If he finds all three of us, I'll tell him the truth that i was trying to stop you and you can back me up you've got some nerve said harry said ron loudly shut up both of you said ron sharply said harry sharply i heard something it was a sort of snapping mrs norris breathed ron squinting through the dark it wasn't mrs norris it was neville who was curled up on the floor fast asleep but jerked suddenly awake as they crept nearer. Thank goodness you found me. I've been out here for hours. I couldn't remember the new password to get into the bed. Keep your voice down, Neville. The password's pig snout. But it wouldn't help you now. The fat lady is gone off somewhere. How's your arm? said Harry. Fine, said Neville, showing them. Madame Pomfrey mended it in about a minute. Good, well, Neville, you've, we've got to be somewhere. We'll see you later. Don't leave me, said Neville, scrambling to his feet. I don't want to stay here alone, the bloody baron's been passed twice already. Ron looked at his words and then glared furiously at Hermione and Neville. If either of you get us caught, I'll never rest until I've learned the curse of the bogey squirrel told us about and used it on you. Hermione opened her mouth perhaps to tell Ron exactly how to use the curse of the bogies. but Harry hissed at her to be quiet and beckoned them all forward. They flitted along corridors stripped with bars of moonlight from the high windows. At every turn, Harry expected to run into filth. Uh, or Mrs. Norris, but they were lucky. They sped up a staircase to the third floor and tiptoed towards the trophy room. Malfoy and Krabbe weren't there yet. The crystal trophy cases glimmered where the moonlight caught them. Cups, shields, plates and statues winked silver and gold in the darkness. They edged along the walls, keeping their eyes on the doors at either end of the room Harry took out his wand in case Malfoy lipped in and started at once. The minutes crept by. He's late. Maybe he's chickened out. Ron whispered. Then a noise in the next room made them jump. Harry only just raised his wand when they heard someone speak, and it wasn't Malfoy. Sniff around, my sweet. They might be lurking in a corner. It was Filch speaking to Mrs. Norris. Horror struck. Harry waved madly at the other three to follow him as quickly as possible. They scurried silently towards the door away from filch's voice. Neville's robes had barely whipped around round the corner when they heard Filch enter the trophy room. There in here somewhere they heard him mutter, probably hiding this way. Harry mouthed to the others and petrified. They began to creep down a long gallery full of suits of armour they could hear felt getting nearer. Neville suddenly let out a frightened squeak to broke into a run. He crept, grabbed Ron around the waist and the pair of them toppled right into a suit of armour. The clanging and crashing were enough to wake the whole castle. Run! Harry yelled, and the four of them sprinted down the gallery, not looking back to see whether Filch was following. They swung open the door, doorpost, and galloped down one corridor, then another. Harry in the lead, without any idea where they were or where they were going, they were—they ripped through a tapestry. They found themselves in a hidden passageway hurtled along it and came out near in a hidden passage, we hurtled along in a and and came out near their charm's classroom which they knew was miles from the trophy room. I think we've lost lo- we've lost him, Harry panted, leaning against the cold wall and whipping his forehead. Neville was bent double, wheezing and spluttering I told you, Hermione gasped, clutching at the snitch stitch in her chest. I told you. We have to get back to Gryffindor Tower, said Ron, quickly as possible. Malfoy tricked you, Hermione said to Harry. You realize that, you, that, don't you? He was never going to meet you. Filch knew someone was going to be in the trophy room. Malfoy must have tipped him off. Harry thought... She was probably right, but he wasn't going to tell her that. Let's go. He wasn't going to be that simple. They hadn't got more than a dozen paces when a door knob rattled and something came shooting out of a classroom in front of them. It was Peeves. He caught sight of them and gave a squeal of daylight. Shut up, Peeves. Please, you'll get us thrown out. Peeves cackled, wandering around at midnight. echo first tease. Tut, tut, tut. Naughty, naughty. You'll get caughty. Not if you don't give us away. Peeves, please, should we, should tell Filch? I should, said Peeves in a saintly voice, but his eyes glittered weak, wickedly. It's for your own good, you know. Get out of the way, snapped Ron, taking a twipe at Peeves. This was a big mistake. Students out of bed, Peeves bellowed. Students out of bed, the charms corridor. Ducking under Peeves, they ran for their lives right to the end of the corridor, where they slammed into a door and it was locked. This is it, Ron moaned. As they pushed helplessly at the door, we're done for. This is the end. They could hear footsteps, Filch, running as fast as he could towards Peeves' shouts. Oh, move over, Hermione snarled. She grabbed Harry's wand, tapped the lock, and whispered, Homora The lock clicked, and the door swung open. They piled through it, shut it quietly, and pressed the ears against it, listening. Which way did they go, Peeves? Philch was saying, quick, tell me. Say, please, don't miss me about, Peeves. Now, where did they go? Shan't say nothing if you do say, please, said Peeves in his annoying sing-song voice. All right, please, nothing. (laughs) Ha, ha, told you, I wouldn't say nothing if you didn't say, please. Ha, 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 and they heard the sound of Peeves whooshing away and Frills cursing in a rage. He thinks that this door is locked, Harry whispered. I think we'll be okay. Get off, Neville, for Neville had been tugging on the sleeve of Harry's dressing gown for the last minute. What? Harry turned around and saw quite clearly what. For a moment, he was sure he'd walked into a nightmare. This was too much. On top of everything that had happened so far, they weren't in a room as he had supposed. They were in a corridor, the forbidden forbidden corridor on the third floor. And now they knew why it was forbidden. They were looking straight into the eyes of monstrous dog, a dog which filled the whole space between ceiling and floor. It had three heads, three pairs of rolling mad eyes, three noses, twitting and quivering in their direction, three drooling mouths, saliva hanging in slippery ropes from yellowish fangs. It was standing quite still, all six eyes staring at them, and Harry knew that the only reason they weren't already dead was that their sudden appearance had taken it by surprise, but it was quickly getting over that. There was no mistaking those, what those thunderous growls meant. Harry groped for the doorknob between Filch and Death, he'd take Filch. They fell backwards, Harry slammed the door shut, and they ran, and they almost flew. Back down the corridor, Philch must have hurried off to look for them somewhere else, because they didn't see him anywhere, but they hardly cared. All they wanted to do was put as much space as possible between them and the monster. They had then stopped running until they reached the portrait of the fat lady on the seventh floor. Where on earth have you all been, she asked, looking at their dressing gowns hanging off their shoulders and their flushed sweaty faces never mind that pig snout pig snout panted harry and the portrait swung forward they scrambled into the common room and collapsed crumbling into armchairs it was a while before any of them said anything Neville, indeed, looked as if he'd never spek- speak again. "'What do you think they're doing keeping a thing like that locked up in a school?' said Ron finally. "'If any dog needs exercise, that one does.' Hermione had got both her breath and her bad temper back again. "'You don't use your eyes. Any of you do, you?' She snapped. "'Didn't you see what is what was standing on the floor?' Harry suggested. I wasn't looking at his, its feet. It was too busy with its head. No, not the floor. It was standing on a crab door. It's obviously guarding something. She stood up, glaring at them. I hope you're pleased with yourself. You could all have been killed, or worse, expelled. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Ron stared after that, after her his mouth, oh, mouth open. No, we don't mind, he said. You don't think we drag her along, won't you? But Hermione had given Harry something else to think about as he climbed back into bed. The dog was guarding something. What had Hagrid said? Gringotts was the safest place in the world for something you wanted to hide, except perhaps Hogwarts... It looked as though Harry had found out where the grubby little package from wall 713 was. So now, as I told you that this chapter is finished. And now we are going to go to the next chapter, which is chapter 10, Halloween. And we are going to do it in our next uh, chapter uh, or our next podcast. And so, till then, meet you later. Thank you for watching.